Hello and welcome to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 7. Today I will be talking about the Slenderman case that happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Most of my research came from the Beware the Slenderman documentary on HBO. The documentary was released on January 23rd, 2017. Now just a little information about me. I'm originally from Verona, Wisconsin, which is an hour and a half from where this case took place. Waukesha is a metropolitan area of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so when this case took place, I'm sure it rocked this quiet town. citizen that a 12-year-old girl was stabbed in the area of Big Bend Road in the city of Waukesha. The stabbing brought a huge police presence to the area, a major search by ground and air looking for two other girls. Anissa Weyer and Morgan Geyser are accused of stabbing the friends and leaving her for dead. Weyer and Geyser lured Peyton into the woods. Police say that's when Geyser, holding the knife, was told by Weir, go ballistic, go crazy. The night started like any other night for these seemingly normal 12-year-olds. They were all friends. Morgan Geyser and Peyton Bella Leitner had been friends since fourth grade. Morgan and Anissa Wire had just met this year but became fast friends. From my understanding, Peyton and Anissa were only friends because of Morgan. The girls were having a sleepover at Morgan's house for her birthday. What Peyton didn't know is that her friends were planning to attack her so they could see Slenderman. In this case, were you assigned to interview the victim, Peyton Lautner? Yes, I was. At some point, your discussion got into the area of a birthday party that was planned for Morgan? Peyton said that the birthday party had been planned for several weeks, and it was for May 30th, and that they had planned to go do Skateland and sleep over at Morgan's house. They were being normal little girls. They were running up and down the stairs, holding hands and giggling. There was no indication that that anything was was off or that we had anything to to be worried about. After Skateland, they came back to Morgan's house and they went into the basement. I had my iPad with me. Okay. So uh, we played on that, and then Bella had her tablet. We were all playing on our devices. Anissa was very prepared to do it that night. Originally, um, we killed Bella, put her under some covers to make it look like she was sleeping, and then we run. And just leave her at Margaret's house. <clears throat> that was the original plan? Yeah. Until it changed. I wanted to give her at least one more morning. You wanted to give Bella one more day? I wanted to see if I could put it off forever, but it didn't seem to work out like that. 
and we, we woke up in the morning and we had donuts and strawberries <laughs> for breakfast and everything was very normal. The girls were laughing and having a good time. Um, and they asked if they could go to the park and I didn't think anything of it. I said, yeah, of course you can go to the park. And, um, you know, Morgan said goodbye and, and told me she loved me. Where'd you guys get the knife from? My kitchen. Was it in a drawer? I don't know where she keeps her knives. But how did you know that she grabbed one? Because she showed it to me as we were walking to the park. She lifts up her winter jacket. Okay. And shows me the handle of a knife. Like, what were you thinking? I'm thinking, dear God, this is really happening. What were you nervous about most? Seeing a dead person, because the last time I saw a dead person, it was at a funeral and it was my uncle. After playing on the playground equipment for a while, they went into the bathroom, all three of them. Did you guys think about standing in there? And you said, I didn't think it would work. What was the point there? I'm not so sure, and Issa came up with several plans. It was hard to keep track. There was a drain for blood to go down, and then we were going to sit there on the toilet, lock the door, and then leave for neglect. From what I read of the creeping posture with heat, it's easier to kill people when they're either asleep or unconscious. So she didn't sit there with her eyes closed. And at some point, Anissa hit the front of her head and caused the back of her head to um, slam against the wall. I kind of went like that to her forehead, banged her head up against the uh, concrete. And you were doing a knock her off and you guys could kill her in there? Yeah. And you asked her to fall asleep so she could kill her in there? Yeah. about what Peyton was thinking about that? I don't think she understood what was going on. Morgan kind of started freaking out a little bit. She said, I can't do this. I'm too scared. You have to. So I had to hug her and calm her down. And then I had to start petting Morgan like she was a cat. What was she freaking out about? Killing
Slenderman is a fictional character that was created in 2009 on a creative forum called Something Awful. He is described in various ways, but most of the time, Slenderman is a tall, skinny, and faceless man. He wears a black suit, but can grow tentacles from his back. He also watches children and then takes them to his, quote, mansion. So on May 30th, 2014, Morgan and Anissa were going to attack Peyton, but then decided not to. The girls woke up the next morning and asked Morgan's parents if they could go to the park. Not thinking anything was wrong, Morgan's mom said yes. The girls then had another plan in motion. At first, they were going to take her into the bathroom at the park, but then decided to play hide-and-seek instead. Morgan and Anissa described that they both didn't want to be the ones to actually stab Bella, but that Morgan was eventually the one to do it. Anissa sat on Bella's legs, pinned her down, and she was stabbed 19 times. She was stabbed in the arms, legs, and torso with a kitchen knife that Morgan took from her house. One of the injuries missed a major artery of her heart by less than a millimeter. There was a wound that went through her liver and her stomach. Anissa and Morgan told Peyton that they were going to get her help, but they didn't. They left to walk to Slenderman's mansion in Nicolay Forest. Peyton left to die, dragged herself to a road, and was found by a cyclist. As you heard in the opening, the cyclist called 911 and the operator was shocked about what he heard. Morgan and Anissa didn't make it to the mansion. They walked five hours and ended up at a furniture store on Inter Interstate 94. They still had the knife with them. The police were told by Peyton, who had hurt her, and that's when the girls were picked up and taken to the police station. Now we are going to get into the sentencing and trial part of this documentary. On the documentary, the on-screen text said the girls' lawyers argued that the girls should be tried as children in the juvenile system where they could be released at 18. The Wisconsin Court of Appeals upheld the decision to try the girls in adult court. In 2017, Anissa Wire pleaded guilty to being a party to attempted second-degree homicide. She was found not guilty due to mental disease or defect. 
Anissa was sentenced to 25 years to life, and she must spend three years in a locked confinement and involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute. She also must be supervised until she's 37 years old. It was determined that she had a disorder where she couldn't tell the difference between what is and isn't real. Morgan Geyser was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which her dad, Matt, also has. It was stated that Morgan started seeing things at the age of three and even told her family. In this documentary, I felt bad for Matt Geyser, Morgan's dad. He was crying and talking about what it's like living with this mental illness and how Morgan has, quote, pretend friends, end quote, when in reality, she's in a cell by herself. Here is a clip of Matt and Morgan's mom talking. Well, we knew her diagnosis before we went to meet them at the hospital. We had a conference call with two of the doctors, so we were we were prepared. And the reason that we all went up there actually was so that we could tell Morgan what her diagnosis was. And we thought that it would be helpful for her to know that her father also had the same mental illness because we had never told her previously that Matt had schizophrenia. We were very worried about the way that she might react to learning that she has schizophrenia because Morgan, Morgan's a very smart girl and she's been reading. Which makes me think that she knew. Yeah. Like I think when they told her she was probably like, well, that's that's what I would have guessed if I had to diagnose myself. But what I think is that Morgan knows that other people don't see her hallucinations, but they're still very real to her. Like in her head, they are real and they're they're with her. But I, I think that she knows that other people don't see them. Otherwise, why would she make an attempt to cover it up? Hide them from us, exactly. It's because she don't want to lose them. She's afraid they would be taken from her. This is the dollhouse, or the components for a dollhouse that Morgan made while she was housed at Washington County Juvenile Detention Center. And she just put so much detail into it. It's amazing. She's not allowed to have scissors. So all of these, all of these tiny little pieces, she ripped by hand. This is a television and these are some of her little cartoon characters that she likes to draw. This actually, I think, is a character that's modeled after Spock. Um, yeah, but I watched her do a couple of the dolls and the, and the clothing. And she said what was surprising is how few times she had to start over. Like she was able to just... Here's some food. I think this is salad. Yeah, and a little piece of pizza. Here's a little um, a laptop computer. Let's see, there's even like detail on the screen. Got the cute little heart on the front of the computer. This looks like it's another TV. Oh, and there's um, how um, how appropriate there's a courtroom drama playing in the background. When I ask her what she wants to watch on TV that night, some of the things I usually ask her when I talk to her on the phone, she'll say that it depends on whose turn it is to decide. And she's in a cell by herself, so she's the only person there.
of stuff with running numbers in my head. In 2018, Morgan Geyser was sentenced to 40 years under a mental health facility supervision. In the on-screen text, it said she is voluntarily taking antipsychotic medication. She is the youngest patient at the Winnebago Mental Health Institute. As you heard in that last clip, that was of Morgan Geyser apologizing to Peyton in court before her sentencing. This was the first time she's ever showed any remorse or empathy. Peyton Leitner is now 17 and she spoke five years after this happened to 2020. Peyton said, quote, it's just a part of me. I don't think much of them. They will probably go away and fade eventually, end quote. She also said, quote, I don't like wire at all. I just hung out with her because I knew that Morgan really loved her as a friend, but she was always cruel to me. I feel like she was jealous of that Morgan was friends with me and her, end quote. Peyton is now wanting to work in the field of medicine after what happened to her. The, wo the woods in Waukesha where this happened have now been cleared. I've seen almost every documentary about this case and I still have issues with Anissa and Morgan's moms. And I feel bad for saying that just because... I know that they are going through something as well, but they have complained every time about the sentencing and not being able to see and hug their daughters. I understand that. They need help. They don't need prison. But they made a plan to kill their friend. They don't deserve to be out in the world. I understand these girls have mental illness, but they need help, and I think they should both be in a mental facility and not prison. My book recommendation for this week is Familiar Sights by Brianna Labuskis. Summary. Psychologist and criminologist Dr. Gretchen White is a specialist in antisocial personality disorders and violent crimes. She's helped solve enough prominent cases for Detective Patrick Shaughnessy that her own history is often overlooked. Gretchen is an admitted sociopath, one suspected of killing her aunt. Shaughnessy still thinks Gretchen got away with murder. It's not going to happen again. When a high-profile new case lands on Shaughnessy's desk, it seems open and shut. Remorseless teenager Viola Kent is accused of killing her mother. 
Amid stories of childhood horrors and Viola's cruel manipulations, the bad seed has already been found guilty by a rapt public. But Gretchen might be seeing something in Viola no one else does herself. If Viola is a scapegoat, then who really did it, and what are they hiding? To find the truth, Gretchen must enter a void that is not only dark and cold-blooded, but also frighteningly familiar. Another amazing book that I couldn't put down. This was very Law and Order-esque. I love a good murder trial and psychological thriller all wrapped into one. I also love the relationship between Gretchen and Patrick. It was very flirty and maybe unprofessional, but they probably use humor as a defense mechanism because of their jobs. Patrick is also very suspicious of Gretchen, and it should be noted that whenever there's a dead body, Gretchen is always there. I give this book a 9 out of 10. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please let me know what you think. My sources for today's episode were the HBO documentary, Beware the Slender Man. You can find it on HBO Max, Wikipedia, CNN, and the New York Post. As always, you can find the links in my show notes. Please subscribe to my blog. Follow me on Instagram at It's Crime O'Clock Somewhere blog pod. And give me a five-star review if you enjoy the podcast. Thank you. And remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere. I'll see you next week.